بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week in our lesson on the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we spoke about the most amazing incident that has ever happened in the history of mankind and that is the journey of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the night journey from Al-Masjid Al-Haram to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and then from Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa to the heavens where the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and saw from the great signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this was a comfort that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to his beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to give him comfort from the difficulties that he was facing from his people. One of the other incidents that happened during the same period of time was the incident of the splitting of the moon. And this was during the later part of the stay of the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca shortly before the Hijrah to Al-Madinah. So this was an amazing incident that took place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed the people a sign and that's a great sign that the moon was split into two pieces and this incident is mentioned in the collection of Al-Bukhari rahimahullah where it is mentioned that the companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu he said anna ahla makkata sa'alu rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an yuriyahum ayah fa'arahumul qamara shiqqatayn hatta ra'aw hira'an baynahuma that the people of Mecca the kuffar of the Quraysh, they asked the Prophet ﷺ to show them a sign. And of course, the greatest sign that the Prophet ﷺ was sent with was the Qur'an. But still, these arrogant disbelievers of the Quraysh, they told the Prophet ﷺ that they wanted a physical sign. They heard the stories of the Ahlul Kitab and they heard about the miracles that were given to Isa alayhi salam and Musa alayhi salam. Isa alayhi salam, for example, he used to bring the dead back to life by the permission of Allah. Musa alayhi salam, he split the Red Sea by hitting it with his staff by the permission of Allah. So these were physical miracles that the people witnessed with their eyes. So the kuffar of the Quraysh, they asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to give them this type of a miracle, a physical miracle that they could witness with their own eyes. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show them this sign. So he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the moon be split into two parts. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted that dua and the kuffar of the Quraysh and not only them but people around the world saw the moon on that night split into two pieces and it was a night of a full moon. It was a night where the moon was full and it was split physically into two pieces. 
And the narration on Al-Bukhari mentions that it was split in two pieces so that the Kuffar of the Quraysh, they could see the mountain of Hira between the two parts of the moon. So they see the moon split into two halves and the mountain of Hira between those two halves. So it was something that they could not deny. And later on, historians have discovered that people around the world actually saw this incident. It has been recorded in Chinese historical documents that on such and such night, and if you look at the Chinese calendar and you compare it with the Hijri calendar and calculate the dates, you will see that it corresponds. They, they said on such and such date, an amazing astronomical incident occurred. The moon was split into two pieces. There are also narrations that it was seen in India as well. So this is something that actually physically happened. So that it was seen all around the world. Yet still, these stubborn kuffar of the Quraysh, they refused to accept. Even though they had said to Rasulullah if you show us this sign, we will believe in you. And he showed them the sign that they were asking for and yet they still disbelieved. And they used the regular excuse that they always used to use that this is magic. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this incident in the Quran. He says, The hour has come near and the moon has been split. But as for these kuffar, if they see a miracle, a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, instead of believing, what do they do? They turn away. And they say, oh, this is passing magic. So this is what they did. Even after they were shown this great sign, they continued to disbelieve. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after going through this with his people for so many years, he decided that it was time to move past the Quraysh. These people, no matter what you tell them, no matter what you show them, they don't believe. So Rasulullah decided to take his da'wah to other tribes of the Arabs. And as we mentioned, Mecca was the location where all of the Arabs used to come for Hajj. So different tribes from different parts of the Arabian Peninsula, they would come. They would come for Hajj to Mecca. So the Prophet used this as an opportunity. So whenever any tribe would come, he would go to those tribes and he would ask to speak to them. And he would tell them about Islam. He would read some Quran to them in hope that they would accept the message. And he was looking for a tribe, not only to accept Islam, but he was looking for a tribe that would actually support him. That he could become the leader of those people and together they would spread Islam with Rasulullah as the leader and whichever tribe as his support, as his backers. So this is what he was looking for, a tribe that would support him and allow him to lead the effort of da'wah with their support. This is what he was looking for. So he tried, different tribes would come for Hajj. He would teach them about Islam. He would explain Islam to them. He would read the Quran to them. And Abu Lahab would follow him around. So the Prophet ﷺ was giving da'wah to people and 
Abu Lahab was there to counter this da'wah, to tell the people don't listen to what he's saying. Abu Lahab made this his mission. He would follow the Prophet ﷺ around and whenever he saw him giving da'wah to any people of any tribe, he would try to negate the da'wah that the Prophet ﷺ was giving. So this is something that the Prophet ﷺ had to endure from his own uncle, the brother of his father. So it just gives you an idea of the difficulties that Rasulullah had to go through. But still he persisted and he tried his best to give da'wah to the different tribes that would come for hajj. So he tried and he didn't receive any positive response from any of these tribes until he approached the leader of a tribe called Banu Sa'sa'ah. Banu Sa'sa'ah was a very respected and powerful tribe of the Arabs. And their leader was a man named Bayhara ibn Firas. So Bayhara ibn Firas was the chief of Banu Sa'sa'ah. So the Prophet spoke to him. When this man came for Hajj, the Prophet spoke to him, told him about Islam, read some Quran to him. And Abu Lahab tried to do what he wanted to do in encountering that da'wah, but Bayhara paid no attention to Abu Lahab. Rather, he was interested in what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam had to say. So he listened to what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had to say. He listened to the Quran and he was very impressed by it. He was very impressed by it. So he told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, let me go and talk to my tribe, let me talk to my people, and we will see what we can do so Bayhara he went back to his people and remember Banu Sa'sa'ah this was a very powerful tribe it was a respected tribe and they respected their leader they had a very deep respect and they showed complete obedience to their leader so Bayhara was a very very powerful chief of this tribe so he went back to his people and he told them I had an encounter with this man Muhammad and what he presented to me is something that if we follow it, if we follow what he has presented, then we will become the most powerful of the Arabs. We will be able to defeat everyone from the Arabs because what he is teaching, what he is, what he is preaching is something that will bring us to a very, very high level. So his people, the people of the tribe of Banu Sa'sa, they said, okay, so what do you say? What do you want us to do? He said, you should believe in him, submit to what he's saying and follow him. They said, you are our leader. If you order us to do this, we're ready to do it. We will do it. So he said, yes, this is what I advise you to do. This is what I command you to do. They said, okay, we're behind you. We support you. So... Bayhara, he went back to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he said, My tribe and I, we are willing to accept Islam and we are willing to be the support that you need. But I have one condition. So Bayhara told Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he had one condition. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Okay, what is your condition? He said, My condition is if, that, if anything happens to you, if you are killed, then I become the leader. I become the leader. 
And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Bayhara, This is not from me. This is not something that I choose. This is with Allah. Allah chooses who he wants to be the leaders. I cannot do this of my own accord. And then Bayhara said, So you're asking me to put my neck and my tribe's necks on the line for you and go against all of the Arabs to support you and you can't even guarantee me a position of power? And the Prophet ﷺ said, This is not from me. Allah chooses whom He wills to be the leaders of the people. I cannot guarantee you this. I cannot give this to you. This is not, for, this is not from me to give in the first place. So then Bayhara, he changed his tune. He said, okay, if that's the case, if you can't even guarantee me a position of power, then forget it. I'm not going to follow you and my people are not going to follow you. So you can see that Bayhara, he was interested in the dunya. He was interested in power. And he saw that what Rasulullah had with him was a way that could gain power. So he wanted this power. He was after this power for himself. So he wasn't really doing it for Allah. He was doing it for personal reasons. So when Rasulullah said that he could not agree to this condition, Bayhara, he rescinded his offer. He said, okay, forget it then. I'm not going to follow you and my people are not going to follow you. And the Prophet said, okay, if that's your choice, that's your choice. But the Prophet would not compromise on these things. He would not compromise on the principles of Islam. So when the people of Banu Sa'asa'a, when they completed their Hajj and they went back to their people, when they went back to their city, there was an old wise man from amongst them who didn't go with them to Hajj because he was old and he was weak and he was not able to accompany them on Hajj. But when the delegation came back, when Bayhara bin Firas and the others who went with him, when they came back to their city, this old man asked them about how the Hajj went. How did it go? Was there any interesting experience that you had while you were in Mecca? So he wanted to know about the trip. So they told him about their encounter with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, this man came to us. He said that he is a prophet of Allah. And they told him about what the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to them. And when he heard this, and when he heard that they rejected him, he said, what have you done? You have made such a huge mistake. You had such a chance to be the first supporters of this man. Don't you know that the time has come that a prophet from Bani Ismail is going to appear amongst us? This is that time that a prophet from the children of Ismail is going to appear in this time. And this was a man from Bani Ismail and he had all of the signs of that prophet that is to come. And you rejected him. What have you done? You had this opportunity and you blew it. So he was very upset, this old man. Yet still, the people of the tribe, they said, no, but he's not offering us any power. He's not offering us any power or position in return to the support that we were going to give him. So they still refused. They refused to accept Islam and they refused to support the Prophet wasallam. So, after the rejection of Banu Sa'asa'a, of the message of the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ went on to present Islam to other tribes. And from amongst those tribes, 
was a tribe of the name of Banu Shayban. The tribe of Banu Shayban. Now Banu Shayban, they were led by a chief by the name of Al-Muthanna ibn Haritha al-Shaybani. Al-Muthanna ibn Haritha al-Shaybani. And this tribe, they had a pact of cooperation. They had a treaty of peace and cooperation with the Persian Empire. And earlier we spoke about the Persian Empire and how they were one of the most powerful kingdoms on earth at that time. The Kisra of Faris was one of the most powerful men in the world and the Persian Empire was an empire that was feared. So this tribe, Banu Shayban, they actually had a treaty with the Persians. They had a treaty with the Persian Empire. So there was peace between them and there was cooperation between them. So when the Prophet ﷺ presented Islam to the tribe, tribe of Banu Shayban, to Al-Muthanna ibn Haritha al-Shaybani, he listened to it and he realized that this makes sense, that this religion is very logical. And he heard the Quran and he was very impressed with the Quran. So he told the Prophet ﷺ, he said, okay, we are ready to accept you and we are ready to support you. But one condition. One condition is that we will not have to fight with the Persians because we have a peace treaty with them. So we don't want to have any type of problems with the Persians. Other than that, we are ready to support you. Or we are ready to accept your religion. We are ready to follow you. But under the condition that we don't have to fight with the Persian Empire ever. So the Prophet ﷺ said, no, I cannot give you this condition. If you want to accept Islam, this is the religion of Allah. You have to accept it without conditions, unconditionally. If you really believe that this is the religion of Allah, that this is the truth, you will accept it without putting conditions. So I cannot accept any conditions. If you want to become Muslims, you enter unconditionally. You enter unconditionally. So Banu Shayban said, no, we don't want to risk our treaty with the Persian Empire. So we cannot support you. We cannot follow you. So the tribe of Banu Shayban, they rejected the offer of the Prophet as well. Now, on a side note, this man, the leader of Banu Shayban, Al-Muthanna, Ibn Haritha al-Shaybani. When he met with the Prophet ﷺ and they had this interaction, Al-Muthanna didn't accept Islam. He didn't become a Muslim. But later on, years later, towards the end of the life of the Prophet ﷺ, Al-Muthanna, he actually accepted Islam. He became a Muslim. And he went to Medina to meet the Prophet ﷺ again. But by the time he reached Medina, the Prophet ﷺ had already passed away. So he didn't get to meet the Prophet ﷺ as a Muslim. He had met him before, but at that time, Al-Muthanna was not a Muslim. But after he had become a Muslim, he was not able to see the Prophet ﷺ again. So Al-Muthanna ibn Haritha al-Shaybani, he is not considered amongst the Sahaba. He is considered rather among the Tabi'een. Because one of the conditions for a person to be considered a Sahabi, a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, he has to see the Prophet ﷺ 
and believe in him at the time that he sees him. So you see the Prophet and you believe in him. So Al-Muthanna, he saw the Prophet but at that time he did not believe in him. And when he finally did believe in him, he was not able to see him after that. So for this reason, Al-Muthanna, he is from the Tabi'een, Rahimahullah. But he is not from the Sahaba of the Prophet Okay, so Banu Shayban, they also rejected the offer of Rasulullah to be his supporters and to accept Al-Islam. Then the Prophet وسلم, he met with a very well-respected leader of the Arabs, a man by the name of Suwaid ibn As-Samit. Suwaid ibn As-Samit. So he was a respected man and he was a man who was honored amongst the Arabs. So the Prophet thought that, okay, I can speak to him if he accepts Islam. This will be something that would be beneficial and many people would accept Islam as well, probably, because he is a respected man and people would follow him. So he, he presented Islam to Suwaid ibn As-Samit. So he went to Suwaid and he said, I have some speech that I want to present to you. And Suwaid ibn As-Samit said, no, I don't want to hear it. Without even hearing, he just said, no, I don't want to hear it. And then the Prophet said, it's beautiful speech. Please just listen to it. And Suwaid said, I have better speech than what you're going to say. He didn't even know what the Prophet was going to say to him. But before the Prophet could even say it, he said, I have something better than it. So the Prophet said, oh, what do you have? Let me hear what you have to say. So Suwaid ibn As-Samit, he had some of the collected sayings of Luqman, the wise man, Luqman. And Luqman was a wise man, and he is mentioned in the Quran as well. There is a whole surah that is named after him. And surely we gave Luqman wisdom to be thankful to Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions some of the wise things that Luqman taught his son not to make shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make sure that you pray your prayers to make sure that you are patient, to understand the complete knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nothing is hidden from Allah. So Luqman, he was a wise man and he taught his son from his wisdom. So Suwaid ibn As-Samit, he had a collection of some of the sayings of Luqman. So he said to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, this is what I have. And then he, he mentioned some of the speech from the collection of the sayings of Luqman some of these wise sayings. So the Prophet ﷺ listened to it. And after he finished listening to it, he said, هَذَا كَلَامْ حَسَنْ This is good speech. This is good speech. But I have something better than that. I have something better than that. So now, Suwaid is curious. Okay, I presented him some very beautiful speech, speech full of wisdom. And he's still saying that he has something better than it. Now he was curious to hear what is this. He said, okay, let me hear it. Then the Prophet ﷺ recited the Qur'an to him. And he listened to it and he was amazed by it. And when he finished listening to it, he said to Rasulullah This is good speech. This is good speech. But that was it. He did not accept Islam either. So the Prophet ﷺ, he tried with these different tribes and these different people but he was not able to get a positive response. Until the 11th year of the prophethood. 
the 11th year of the prophethood when a group of people from the city of Yathrib came for Hajj the city of Yathrib later on became known as the city of al Madina al Munawwara, the city of the Prophet but at that time it was known as Yathrib so in the 11th year of the prophethood of Rasulullah a group of people from the city of Yathrib they came for Hajj and they were six people they were a group of six people and they were from a tribe called Khazraj they were from a tribe called Khazraj and they came for Al-Hajj and the Prophet ﷺ met them and he presented Al-Islam to them he told them about this religion he recited the Quran to them and these six men from the tribe of Khazraj they were very impressed with what Rasulullah had to say now a little history about the city of Yathrib the city of Yathrib it was inhabited by three groups of people the tribe of Khazraj the tribe of Aus and the Jews who had migrated to Al Madina from Asham from the greater Syria area so it was inhabited by three groups of people the tribe of Aus the tribe of Khazraj and the Jews and it was pretty evenly distributed these three groups were pretty evenly distributed so basically about one-third of the population of Medina belonged to Khazraj and one-third belonged to Aus and one-third were Jews so none of them really had a central figure of power who was the head of the city because each of them were about equal in terms of their numbers so there was not one one uh, individual figure who had control of the whole city and to add to this about five years before the Prophet ﷺ made hijrah to al Madina, there was a big war a big battle between the tribe of Aus and Khazraj there was a big war between them and in this war all of the main leaders of Aus and all of the main leaders of Khazraj they all died so all of the main leaders of both tribes had died so now with the elders or the big leaders dead there was really no powerful figure in either of those tribes so there was no leader for the city of Yathrib there was no individual who had central control of the city and this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prepared this city for the arrival of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam imagine that there was no there was no leader so it was ripe for a person to come and take control and be a leader and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would eventually become that leader so these six people from Khazraj they had come for Hajj the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam explained to them the religion of al-Islam and they were impressed by it and they said to each other they said this is the man that the Jews in Yathrib are always talking about the Jews of Yathrib they knew from their scriptures that a prophet was to come that the time was coming that a prophet was about to come 
And they were hoping and they were thinking and they were expecting that that Prophet would be from Bani Israel. They didn't realize that that Prophet was actually going to come from Bani Ismail. But they were ready for a Prophet to come and they knew that a Prophet was coming and they would actually threaten. The Jews of Yathrib would threaten the tribes of Aus and Khazraj. They would say, look, a Prophet is coming. And when that Prophet comes, we are going to be his followers. And when he comes and he leads us and we follow him, we are going to annihilate all of you. We are going to kill you like the Ad and the Thamud. So the Aus and the Khazraj, they were aware of this. They were aware that yes, these guys are expecting a Prophet and they knew some of the signs of that Prophet. So when the Prophet Muhammad actually met them and spoke to them at Hajj, they realized this is the guy. This is the man that the Jews have been talking about. So they said to themselves, let us accept him. Let us believe in him and become his followers before they become his followers. So that by following him, our position will be raised and we will be honored through following this man. So they were ready to accept him. They said, yes, we accept you. We accept you, we believe in you, and we are ready to follow you. So after Hajj, they went back to their city. They went back to Yathrib and they started teaching the people about Al-Islam. By the next year, a few people, a number of people from Yathrib had accepted Islam. So the next year at Hajj, a delegation of 12 people from Yathrib came to Mecca. A delegation of 12 people came to Mecca. And from these 12 people, 10 of them were from the tribe of Khazraj and two of them were from the tribe of Aus. So 10 from Khazraj and two from Aus and they came to Mecca and they met with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam as well. And they were Muslims. They had accepted the religion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam made an arrangement with them to take an oath of allegiance that he would take an oath of allegiance from them at the location of Al-Aqaba. Al-Aqaba is a place just outside Mecca in Mina. So the Prophet ﷺ took this oath from these 12 people, 10 people from Khazraj and two from Aus. He took an oath from them that they would be obedient to him and they would be loyal to him, that they would not associate partners with Allah that they would not steal, that they would not commit zina, that they would not slander, they would not make false accusations, and that they would obey the Prophet Muhammad in all good. So they took what is called the bay'ah al-aqaba al-ula, the first oath of allegiance of al-aqaba. So these were these 12 men. 10 from Khazraj and 2 from Aus who pledged their allegiance and their loyalty and their obedience to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was very happy with this. And then when it was time for these 12 men to go back to Yathrib, they requested Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They said, Ya Rasulullah, we don't know much about the religion. Send someone to teach us. Send someone from the Muslims of Mecca. These are the people, your companions who have been with you for so many years. They know about this deen. They know about Islam. Send one of them to teach us. So the Prophet ﷺ sent Mus'ab ibn Umair. 
one of the great companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent him to Yathrib to teach the people of Al-Islam. So Mus'ab ibn Umair, he went to Yathrib, he taught the people about Al-Islam and he prepared Medina. He prepared Medina for the arrival of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So these were the preparations that took place shortly before the hijrah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Mecca to Al-Madina. Inshallah, in our next lesson, we will talk about Mus'ab ibn Umair and his preparation of Al-Madina. And we will talk about the eventual hijrah of the Muslims from Mecca to Medina and the hijrah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself to Al-Madina. Inshallah, we will speak about that in the next session, which will be two weeks from today, inshallah. Uh, next week, I have uh, a prior engagement that I have to be at. Uh, so inshallah, the next uh, seerah lesson will be not next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that, bi-ithnillah. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.